It's a new week and the Mariners are back in Seattle. Let's kick things off with a dive into the mailbag. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, September 11th, 2023. This is Tidings and Colby Padnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. It's Mailbag Monday. Let's see what you guys want to know. We're going to start here with Jace, who uh, asks, uh, are there any signs that the M's might be able to turn this around? Signs? No. No. No no signs to be found here. No signs to be found over the last few days, for sure. Uh, I'll say this, though. Uh, we do know what the talent of this team is. We do know what the potential of this team is. They just have to play better. And is it possible they could just you know flip the switch and start playing better? Absolutely. Their starting rotation was incredibly mediocre on this road trip, and that hasn't been the case at all this season. So hopefully that gets turned around. I mean, the offense was bad at times, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world over the 10-game span. Again, it wasn't great. It wasn't great, and at times they, they really came through, and at times they were very much let down by their pitching staff. But, yeah, is it possible that things can all come together and click at once? Absolutely. Are there signs of that happening? Nope. Not at all. It's over. It's never been more over. Right. Uh, you might as well just bench Gino and give Jake Lamb all the at-bats. Um, <laughs> Bringing that one back, huh? Yeah, old school. Uh, long-time listeners will appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, there's absolutely no signs. Uh, like... If you want to try and be super optimistic, you could say like, well, they probably should have won three out of four in Tampa, but yeah, you know, the thing is they didn't, they lost three out of four in Tampa uh, because their starting pitching slash bullpen imploded on uh, Friday and Saturday. So that doesn't count. Like that's not a good sign that they should have won three or four against a good team. They, they didn't like, there's nothing, nothing good about that. So um, no, there is no good sign. Um, not yet that could change in a day or two, but no, there really isn't because the starting pitching was mediocre. The bullpen was awful. The offense, by the way, in September is scoring the same amount of runs per game as it did in April. So they're also mm. giving up more runs per game than they have at any other month so far in September. So yeah, um, no, there, there's nothing, there's nothing to hang your hat on here other than the fact that, you know, you know how talented they are. Um, you know what they can do but they haven't done it for about two weeks now. So there's only about two, three weeks left in the season. So ugh, like it, it's go time, man. Like you better turn it around tonight, uh, starting tonight, uh, because it's not going to get any easier down the stretch. Uh, so no, there are no good signs, uh, at least not present. The only thing we can really hang your hat on is the idea that like, well, we know they're better than this and they yeah. probably are, but a lot of teams are bad for a month. 
and the Mariners are about halfway there and they only have about halfway to go. So we'll see, but uh, no, there are no present signs. Next question here comes from David with the three and seven road trip. Have the Mariners played themselves into a position where they have to sweep the angels have to sweep. No, but you have to win two or three here. At least you have to yeah. win the series. If you don't win the series and you go into a series with the Dodgers, you're cooked. I'm sorry. You're dead. It's over. I mean, short of like sweeping the Rangers like seven times, like going seven I mean, against the Rangers. But like, I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. What I'm what I'm saying is very hyperbolic, but still. But still, no, I mean, it, it's 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 just it, playing the reality. The vibes are the vibes could not be worse if you lose no. the series. And by the way, Anaheim, while they're broken, they're going to come at you with everything they got because they have nothing to lose. And they're, you know, they still they're still major leaguers like there's they still have pride. They still have the ability to knock you out of the playoff race and all that stuff. They're going to play hard. Right. Mm. Um, so I'd say if you play like you're capable of playing, then you should probably sweep the angels. If you play like you did this last week, you are going to lose this series. So at the very least, you have to find something in the middle. Um, and I think tonight is absolutely crucial because you don't yeah. want to get into a four game losing streak. Uh, yeah. You want to start turning this thing around immediately. You want to put the pressure on Anaheim over the next two instead of yourself. Um, so I think tonight is an absolutely crucial game, but I don't think you have to sweep necessarily. I think you have to find a way to go three and three this week at the very, at the bare minimum, go three and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you are getting some help because Texas and Toronto are going to start a four game series tonight. Um, I don't think it actually, I don't know. Do we have a question about this later? Who we're rooting for? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. Or you go ahead. You go. I ahead was just going to say, I don't thoughts. think it matters. You just want one team to sweep the other. Yeah. I, yeah, I really don't the, think it matters who. That's the idea. That's the ideal situation, right? Because that hopefully, like if, if you can win these games against the Angels, hopefully you can create a good amount of separation there between you and whichever team gets swept. Uh, more likely, though, what's going to happen is that both of these teams kind of just stay static. And hopefully you're able to maybe get a game or two on someone. Well, if if you sweep, right, hypothetically, if you do sweep, you're mm-hmm. gaining at least two games on somebody. Because even if the series is split 2-2, you're either gaining two games on Texas or two games on Toronto. That's yep. huge. Um, but hypothetically, right, let's let's say you sweep, you know, fingers crossed. And just because Toronto's playing well right now and Texas isn't, Toronto sweeps Texas. Yep. Okay, well now Texas is five games back of you. Uh, well, three, uh, four and a half games back of you. So mm-hmm. at that point, you know, you only have to win a handful of games against Texas at the end to kind of put the nail in their coffin. But, uh, you know, it works just the same with Toronto because I think you're only a game back of them. So I, I think you're just rooting for a sweep. Uh, but at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that the Mariners win mm. because it doesn't matter if, you know, you get swept and, and Texas gets swept. You're still like a, only a game up in the playoffs and you play them seven times. So you have to win. Like that is the only thing that matters. The next three days probably define what the last two weeks of your entire season look like. No, you have to win the series. You have to, do you have to have sweep? To. No, not necessarily. But if you if you come out of this two and one or one and two, unless you're going to sweep the Dodgers, I think that it's it's basically over at that point. I, we can certainly kiss the division goodbye at, at that stage. 
I mean, they would right do now. that though. They would lose the sure. series to the Angels right. and then we sweep come, the Dodgers. We come in on Thursday, it's over. Blah blah blah. Like, should they call it bliss? Give him playing time. And yada, they've yada. They, like this whole season, the team, individual players have made it their mission to make you and I look stupid immediately. We'll make some big bold proclamation most of the time, and then you. you know something will happen, and then you know people, of course, seek us out to to tweet at us. I because... guess, but as people might know, I am the optimist of the group. So right, right, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, no, I'm the Debbie Downer. Opinion. Yeah, I'm the wet blanket. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. We got more questions coming up here in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Lockdown Mariners podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals and last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. So forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem promo code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you again for making us your first listen tonight the mariners begin a three-game series with the los angeles angels of anaheim you can catch all the action on the mariners hometown broadcast with sirius xm via the sxm app and jared kelnick is back we got a couple of questions about like what would be the corresponding move with Kelnick, and but we already know what that is. Cade Marlowe got sent down today. So before we get back into these questions, Colby, I have a question for you. What are the expectations or what should the expectations be for Jared Kelnick and his return? Superstar. Right. September Kelnick, baby. Jerry Bonds is back. Sure. That's right. Reed Detmers tonight on the mound, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, Jerry Bonds is going yard off of Reed Detmers. All right, we'll see. All right, let's get back into these questions. Gomsners wants to know: You've talked uh, before about how Scott's best skill as a manager as a manager is clubhouse culture. Wow, I cannot read this question. Can you guys speak to what you've heard and is going on in the clubhouse right now? What Scott's response has been in general, and also specifically for Kirby? So, Colby, we haven't really had uh, much of an opportunity here to talk about the Darn. Kirby situation. Yeah, I know. Shucks. Yeah, because. We really, we really want to get involved in that discourse, which has gotten to embarrassing levels, and for some reason still hasn't died, even though that Kirby, you know, owned up to it, apologized, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The following day, it's still going on. It's still going on. Uh, so yeah, what do we think about the uh, the clubhouse and then you know the Kirby situation? I think the clubhouse is still probably pretty fine. <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, it's obviously not like a super energetic clubhouse at the moment um, because, you know, you went three and seven on a long road trip. So yeah, they're probably not, uh, the vibes probably aren't great, but I don't think there's like a catastrophic, like mutiny happening um, after a 10 game stretch or anything like that. So I, I think that part's fine. And then, you know, and specifically with, with Kirby, like, I mean, should he have said it? No, absolutely not. That's a stupid no. thing to say. Um, you know, and it also, it's it's not a great look for you. It's probably ticked off a few of your teammates, probably ticked off your coaching staff and, and your management team and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it, we talked about how 
or at least I talked about how, uh, you know, this thing, as long as George comes out tomorrow, the next day and just like owns it, like then it's dead. Like there's nothing here. And so, uh, that, that's what happened. You know, it's again, was it a stupid thing to say? Yes. Um, was it any stupider than people calling him Eric Bedard or calling George Kirby soft because he, you know, he, he said, Oh, I didn't think I should be out there after 94 pitches. Like, no. And by the way, like, let's look at some of the major leaguers who are calling him like soft and all that stuff and look at what they did in their career. They've got mm-hmm. no, no room to talk, talk their smack. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of fan reaction is either, um, people's toxic masculinity is showing, mm-hmm. but also too, on the other side, there's a lot of people who just want to pretend that like, George is totally justified to say what he said. And that's not true either. Like, right. George shouldn't have said it publicly. Right. Yep. Uh, we can agree on that. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it, it just feels like there was a lack of communication, right? Like either George thought he was done and just assumed he was done or, you know, the coaching staff went to him and said, we really need you for a couple more outs today. And, and George didn't like that. But at the end of the day, he shouldn't have said it. He owned up to yep. it he's not soft because he said it out loud. He just made a mistake. Like it, it's yeah. fine. I don't think this is an issue whatsoever uh, for anybody left in the clubhouse. I don't think this is an issue for Scott. I don't think this is an issue for George. Um, I just think it's a lot of people trying to score, you know, pretty cheap points on both sides of it. Again, at the end of the day, I think the correct response is what George said. I shouldn't have said that like that. That's not something that, you know, I, I think that's not something that I like do like, it's frustrating outing. It's been a frustrating road trip. And, you know, I, I, I should have, I shouldn't have, uh, aired that out. And yeah, that, that's, that's the correct response. Like, yeah. Dumb thing to say, not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I, I hated it. You know, I didn't like it when it happened. I, I thought it was a really bad look both for George and just the, the team as a whole, uh, especially with how, you know, frustrating that the road trip had been up to that point and, got even worse you know from that point forward um i do appreciate him going you know hey like i don't think i should have been out there like you know he's he's thinking of the team what puts the team in the best position to succeed and he didn't think that that was with him on the mound and i actually agree with him right but him coming out and saying that to the media right before you know potentially even talking to scott about it behind the scenes that is a betrayal of the culture um, Scott Service has cultivated. Scott Service and his coaching staff and, and the people that you know make up the front office of the Mariners organization have cultivated. Um, so from that aspect, hated that. Uh, but so glad that he owned up to it. And at that point, you move on. But mm-hmm. yeah, for George, you know, it was like if you're a teammate of George and he makes those comments, right? He still didn't execute, right? He had the 30 plus pitch inning in the first inning, which yep. you know had a trickle down effect on the rest of the outing. Uh, and you know, while yeah, he was at 94 pitches and didn't really feel great, that's still not necessarily an egregious thing to ask him to do, especially when he is one of the three best pitchers in your rotation in the middle of a playoff race. Like that might be asked of you. You might have to go out and do that, even if you don't feel the best. And like Luis Castillo the night before, right? He had walked four guys. He did not look good. I didn't think that he needed to go back out there for the six, but he did. 
And whether he liked it or not, he didn't go to the media afterwards and complain about it, right? And let's be real about it. The reason that George made the comments he made is because he gave up the lead. He blew the lead. Had he thrown a scoreless seventh inning, he wouldn't have said anything. So, yeah. So from that aspect, it's just it was really annoying, but I'm glad that he owned up to it. And let's just move on. And Jared Weaver, Roger Clemens, shut the hell up. Yeah. Like we don't we don't need to get into Roger Clemens past uh, on the show. But uh, for him to take shots at anybody uh, is 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 laughable. It's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question here comes from Mariners Jersey Tracker. Uh, re second base for 2024 with Ryan Bliss tearing up AAA. It's hard to imagine he wouldn't make the opening day roster next year. Would you prefer the M's also go after a free agent second baseman during the winter, like Merrifield, Kemp, etc.? Uh, well, I definitely don't. Definitely think not should, Kemp. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely not Kemp. <laughs> and I definitely don't think they should like just hand the job to you know Bliss or even Josh Rojas. Right? I think right now, if we had to predict who's going to be the starting second baseman for the Mariners in 2024, it's probably Rojas. But I don't think they should hand it to him uh, necessarily. They definitely shouldn't hand it to someone unproven like Bliss. And here's the thing, right? Every single offseason that you and I have been doing these podcasts together, whether it's Locked On, whether it's CTZ, whatever, we always get asked about young players and how are you going to get them playing time? You have to get them playing time. You can't sign this guy because you have to get him playing time. Look, every single year, I it boggles my mind how people do not understand that these things just kind of tend to work themselves out. And secondly, if you do get a guy like on a one-year deal, right, who is a veteran, has done it, and he's playing well enough to block a Ryan Bliss in this specific specific example, what's there to complain about? That means things have gone well for you. (laughs) Like That means you're probably in a good spot that that deal worked out for you. So build your roster where the young guys have to earn it, right? You're not just giving them these opportunities. You are covering your bases by doing that. You are, especially because, again, we're talking about one to two year deals. Maybe what Merrifield in that specific example is going to get like a three year deal, something like that. But, you know, in general, like when we talk about these things, it's mostly one to two year guys. So it's like, all right, if that doesn't work out or if the young guy comes up and he's just better. It's not like you're stuck, like you're handcuffed to the guy that you signed or that you're handcuffed to the guy that you traded for for a long period of time. It just makes your overall roster better. It makes the the ecosystem of your roster just that much healthier. Yeah, depth is good. Um, and and I, despite the way the Mariners seemingly refuse to use it at times, it's good to have a good bench. And, and yeah. Uh, you know, and you say, well, when did that work? Look at the short-term deals on Wong and Pollock. And it's like, yeah, but Pollock is the point, right? Because the team mm-hmm. didn't just give Jared Kelnick 600 plate appearances. He, they didn't just give him starts against lefties automatically. He had to earn those, and he did. And and obviously there were some ups and downs, and Pollock didn't work out uh, you know, enough to to cover the ups and downs of, of Kelnick, but Kelnick earned the playing time. Bliss has to do something similar. Um, it's also worth noting bliss isn't a lock for the opening day roster because he doesn't have to be added to the 40 man until next winter. So once you add him to the 40 man, like you're stuck. So there's really no reason to add him until you're absolutely certain that he's a big leaguer. So I think he'll enter spring training next year with a, with a shot to make the opening day club. 
Um, but it's not a guarantee by any stretch. He's not going to be on the 40. I'd be pretty surprised he was on the 40 man added, you know, at any point, cause you don't have to, and you don't do those things before you feel like you absolutely have to. Um, so yeah, I, I think bliss has a shot to make the opening day roster. I don't think he's a lock. I don't think he's tearing it up in triple a. I think that's, you know, been the last week or so he's been really good, but overall, yeah. not really. Um, and I'm not sure he's an everyday player. I think he's probably an everyday second baseman, but we don't know. And you're not going to go into a year where you think you can win the, the world series or you shouldn't at least and be like, well, we don't know this guy can play. You need to go out and you need to get somebody to, to kind of cover your base. And that was the idea behind AJ Pollock. Did it work? No, but Kelly proved he could play. So um, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where like you need to pick better, like security blankets. Sure. But yeah. you should, the idea is fine. The execution this year was bad. That's the problem. Those guys didn't produce. Right. It happens sometimes, but no, yeah. you shouldn't go into next year saying Ryan bliss is definitely the opening day. Second baseman. Um, I don't even think you should go into next year saying Dom Canzone is definitely the opening day left fielder or DH or first baseman or no protect yourself. Yeah. Go in and go and do the Wong and the Polk again. Just pick better players. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, you know, just don't, don't whiff so badly on those types of players. And, right. And, you know, particularly we talked about this a lot, but the Wong thing, really not much of a whiff. It just, it happened to be, but like who could have seen that coming? Nobody. And if you're saying you did, you're lying. Right. Even the people that were like, oh, he's basically just Adam Frazier. He yeah, wasn't even that. I wish. <laughs> like, I yeah, wish. I, I freaking wish, dude. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, he was terrible. Like, literally one of the worst players in Major League Baseball this year. Oh, by the way, a free agent second baseman who makes sense next year, Adam Frazier. <laughs> if, if you're trying to protect oh, yourself from Ryan Bliss. My Slapton. There you go. So, I mean, it, <laughs> it might make sense. I'm just saying. Uh, but, yeah. uh, yeah, no, you shouldn't be giving young guys guaranteed starting spots because they did well in AAA. Not at this stage of your yeah. of your build. And again, when we're talking about adding veterans at those spots, we're not talking about signing guys to four or five year deals. We're talking about one, maybe two year deals. Like you should right. not avoid those at all because how am I going to get Ryan Bliss playing mm-hmm. time? I mean, like, you also shouldn't avoid trading for like Glaber Torres because you're worried about Ryan Bliss. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Or like, how am I going to get Dom Can's own playing time? I certainly can't add X mm-hmm. outfielder, you know, like, no, of course you can. Yeah. Of course you can. You absolutely, you absolutely can. And again, you these should. things, these things tend to work themselves out. Yep. Injuries happen. Things crop up. And then when those things happen, if you didn't cover your bases, you're going to get left at the altar. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that happen a little bit this year. So, yeah. All right. We got a couple more questions coming up here on Mailbag Monday. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Lockdown Mayors podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. Now, the MLB playoffs are right around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Pick more or less on stats for your favorite players like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you could win big. And if things didn't go well in your home league this year, you can still salvage the fantasy baseball season over at Sleeper. There you can pick the players you want and call your shot. And when you use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, you'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. 
And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. We're answering your Seattle Mariners questions. Speaking of the Mariners, they are starting a three-game series against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim tonight in Seattle. You can catch all the action on the Mariners' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. All right, a couple more questions here on Mailbag Monday. This one comes from Josh. This might be more of an off-season question, but realistically, how many more seasons before the team needs to consider moving Julio to a corner outfield spot to potentially save his legs for the long term? Colby? Uh, it's not on the radar, yeah. I think is the best way I could put it. Like Julio's probably, I mean, I don't, Julio might win a gold glove this year at center field, and you just don't move that guy off of center field. Um, especially right now when there's really no evidence to suggest that center field is what's causing some nagging injuries that there's really nothing to suggest that. So, uh, no, I don't think you're talking about that for at least two or three more years. And and on top of that, who are you going to get right now? That's better than Julio defensively. Yeah. Like the bat hasn't suffered because he's played center field. He is mm-hmm. a plus defensive center fielder. At least he is this year. So, you know, until you even get somebody in the org that can play center field, like, because we know Canzone can't, we know Marlowe can't, we know Kalnick can't. Like, there's no reason to move them. So I'm thinking at least three years, probably longer. Um, and and you know that yeah. can change if he if he wears down. And you know if this does become an issue, then at some point you do it. And I think you're pretty quick about it. But until there's evidence to suggest that you need to do it, or that it's beneficial to the team because you have a, a center fielder who's better than Julio. Uh, until that situation presents itself, there's absolutely no reason to even really think about it right now. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say at least three to five more years at minimum, but it could be longer. Agreed. Last question here comes from JP. Do you think the 2022 bullpen is better than the 2023 bullpen? Yes. Yes. Not, Definitively. Not, yeah. Yeah. Not only did you have Seawald, but you had a better Andres Munoz too. And Eric Swanson. Yes. Yeah. That that's, that's, the key right it's not the guys that you don't have in the bullpen really for me i mean like seawald yes but it's not really like oh well you had pim murphy and you had eric swanson i mean like i have justin topa i have game spire like those guys are mm-hmm. you know pretty good as well um but it's yeah it's andres munoz is not as good as he was last year no like that's really the key and now you're putting guys in different roles than they were in last year that they might not be as well suited for like andres munoz so yeah. that's where it begins and ends for me, really. So yeah, definitively speaking, 2022 bullpen was better, a lot better than the 2023 bullpen, at least yeah. in its current state. Like from where the 2022 bullpen ended and where 2023's bullpen is right now, absolutely. Yeah, I do think it's a little bit about the departures though. Uh, Swanson's really good, and and you've basically right. replaced him with Topa. So that's, I mean, yeah. So if you well, that's, that's that's how I look at it, right? I look at right. that kind of as like a wash, right? But what's not is is Paul Seawald. Like you haven't replaced yeah. Paul Seawald, you haven't. So yeah, um, essentially you just removed the Paul Seawald role from your bullpen, and you didn't replace it. Um, and you kind of trying to make it work with Andres and and Brash, and Brash is better this year than he was last year, but. No, I think Seawald is the big missing piece here. Um, so, and again, that's not to say they shouldn't have made the trade, blah, blah, blah. We're not talking about that. It's just, yeah. this is what it is. Like, you don't have, because the thing with Paul Seawald, high floor, 
high ceiling. You can miss bats. You give you put him in there with a three run lead. You feel like it's over. Like he's very rare. Like he he's all the good things about you know high leverage reliever with all the like all the negatives basically cropped out. He's only going to implode once or twice a year. Like Paul's a really important role. Like his role in this bolt, just the stabilizer who could also miss bats and, you know, doesn't struggle to throw strikes. That's a huge spot to have in this bullpen and the Mariners don't have it like they did last year. Um, and that that's a problem for me. So, uh, yeah, I would say definitively last year's bullpen is better than this year's. This one's still okay. It should be better than it has been the last 10 days. Um, but yeah, it's, it's no comparison to last year, in my opinion. Hey, by the way, speaking of this bullpen, why hasn't Dominic Leone been DFA'd yet? Well, Bizarro's still on the roster too. As what did Ryder Ryan do? <laughs> what did he do? Someone tell me what Ryder Ryan has done to deserve this. This disrespect. After striking out Adley Rutschman and Gunner, Henner- Gunner Henderson in his Major League debut, and they were like, nope, we don't want that. We want Dominic Leone and Edward Bizarro. Get the hell out of here. Come on. Also, Perlander Burroughs on the taxi squad. Just call him up. Stop. Stop with this will they, won't they. Stop. Stop. I'm done with this crap. Just bring up Baroa, DFA Leone, DFA Bizarro. I don't really care. That dude is not good. And call up Ryder Ryan. Please. I beg you. Or Riley O'Brien. I will take either one of those guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well over at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the Angels tonight on the Mariners Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM via the S. XM app. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you next time. Peace.